Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. When we step into the assignments that God has for us, and we release the assignments that were never ours in the first place, there's joy in that because we get to watch God do what only He could do. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, let's be honest. Life is sometimes hard on this side of heaven, and too often it feels like our emotions are a roller coaster ride that twists and turns. And when the ride is crazy, we look for it to stop so we can experience peace and joy again. But what if we could find joy while we're riding the roller coaster? And what if joy isn't about a feeling? but rather about a knowing. To help us explore these questions today, I've invited my friend Susie Eller to join me for a conversation. Susie is a best-selling author of 12 books and co-host of the More Than Small Talk podcast. A two-time breast cancer survivor, Susie is a wife, mom, grandma, and the author of Joy Keeper, Six Truths That Change Everything You Thought You Knew About Joy. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Susie. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, it's funny as you were talking about the roller coaster. I think you and I met for the first time at a convention and we went to like a theme park. I don't know if it was Disney or... I think we met in Anaheim, California. I think so too. I think that it was, um, and then we did a, yeah, because I think we met at the CBA conference, which for those that are listening, used to be the Christian Booksellers Association. A lot of authors would go to that. And it was in Anaheim, California. And I don't even remember how we met, but I remember where, I remember our conversation. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I think that I met you and really liked you and wanted to get to know you. And so I kind of inserted myself into your life at that moment. <laughs> well, I remember us sitting in like a little alcove in the convention center and just chatting and just feeling like, you know, we just, we were really tracking with each other. And eventually you um, spoke at Hearts at Home several times. Several times. Yeah. 
And went overseas with you twice. Yes, that's what I was thinking. You did some yeah. of our international events in Europe. And then, you know, one of my favorite Hearts at Home God stories is a God story you told to us one day after a conference. And it was a woman who wasn't feeling seen. Do you remember that one? I do. I do. And I walked by her in the hallway and reached down and just touched her toe. I, you know, there were so many women there, thousands. Right. And as I was walking by, she was sitting on the floor and I reached down and I touched the tip of her toe and said, Hey, I see you. And then I kept going and she like chased me down because she had just been praying. She was going to leave because she Mm. felt unseen because there were so many women. She had been well taken care of, but there were so many women. It was overwhelming. And she said, she had had just said, she had just asked God prayed and said, God, nobody even sees me in like seconds, like less than two I reached down, touched her toe and said, I see you. Yes. And kept going. So yeah, it's one of my my sweetest memories. One of my sweetest God moments, like for her to say, man, like instantaneous God was like, nope, no, no, no. I see you. Yes. Isn't that so powerful? I just had something very similar happen at a speaking engagement that I had last weekend. And, um, There was a woman that was there and she was really struggling, feeling the same way. She was like, am I seen? Am I valued? And I did a giveaway and I called her name in the giveaway. And she said, she came up to me afterwards and she said, I literally was going, God, I don't think you see me. And when you called my name, I felt like God said, no, I just called your name. <laughs> Isn't that powerful? So it really powerful. is. It really is. You know, and like I am nothing special. I, I, I'm not. You know, I, I, but what really amazed her is that she was getting ready to go into the next workshop, and she realized that when I got up on stage, that I was the speaker for her next <laughs> workshop. So it was. It was just sweet all the way around. Yeah. It oh I know that was just one of my favorite stories I've I've told it we often would retell it to our staff before we would go into a conference because it was just a reminder not to see the crowd but to see the individual mm-hmm. you know yeah. so oh I love that so Susie I'm a nana to my grandkids but I understand you are Gaga to yours so <laughs> <laughs> how did that name come about. You know, I was just going to be plain old grandma. Uh, So my very first grandchild, who's now 11, she calls me Gaga. She's always called me Gaga. And so she kind of set the tone. Um, There are other names, Gaga Moly, you know, there's there's all kinds. (laughs) Uh, So whatever they call me is good. Yeah. Yeah. I did not realize you and I became a grandmother at the same time because, well, my granddaughter just turned 12. And okay. so, yeah. yeah, we, we did that right around the same time. Yeah. Elle will turn 12 in July. Okay. So they are, they're right around the same age. Uh, isn't it the best? Uh, it I just is. It. I, it's like a joyful tsunami. That's the only <laughs> way I know to describe it. <laughs> Cause I have six and it, it's, 
11's my oldest, six is my youngest, and they're all squished in there between. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's wild. It's wild yeah. and fun and good. Yeah, it is. It is. So you've been on a bit of a joy journey, but it's been a joy journey in the midst of a hard season. So I would really love for you to share your story with us and ultimately yeah. how this uh, new book of yours, Joy Keeper, came to be. Sure. You know, I would say that I have been more on a journey to redefine joy. Mm. Because um, have you ever been in those seasons where every time that you think, okay, that's, I'm, I'm through it. I'm <laughs> past it. I'm through it. And then you get karate chopped in the throat again. And yes. that's where I was for well over two years. And and it wasn't small things. It was big things. You know, mm-hmm. um, my healthy husband who ran marathons had a heart attack. Three days before that, I had found out that I had breast cancer again. Uh, there were other things on top of that, big things with my family, my beautiful son. And he totally gives me permission to share this because he is in such a, a healing place in his journey but my son called us in the middle of all of this to just say, I'm incredibly lost and I'm addicted and no one knows and it's ruining my life and my family and I need help. Uh, so, and then we hit a pandemic. And so, you know, it's just been this series of if joy is supposed to be tied to my circumstances, well, then that's impossible. But Mm -hmm. if there's a deeper meaning of joy for me as a woman who follows Jesus, I want to know what that is. And that's where I leaned in and began to study out because that's who I am. If I'm going to find it, I'm going to look in the word and I'm going to try to see what it says. Mm -hmm. What I realized is that joy is not just a feeling. Our feelings matter to God a lot. Mm-hmm. We're created to feel. He cares about how we feel. But joy is more than a feeling. It's a knowing. And that's where I redefined what joy meant, whether I was in a hard season or a good season. And it changed me in the mm. midst of that season. Mm. So talk more about that. When you say it's not so much a feeling, but a knowing. What does that mean? Yeah. So I was in a hospital room and I had went in to have a double mastectomy, my second time to battle cancer. I was by myself in the midst of a pandemic. And Mm. I remember laying there and thinking, okay, God, I know that you have called me in all of these areas. But Lord, I have been in the midst of a battle for months now, and it just keeps getting harder. And what I understood in that moment is that, first of all, my grief and my hurt and my struggle mattered a lot to God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also realized this is what I knew. That's what I felt. But Mm -hmm. what I knew inherently is that God's call isn't tied to my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I was in a hospital room getting to pray with a nurse and love on her, or whether 
through a friend coming to see me at my home who walked in the door and said, what in the heck is going on? Where's your God? I don't know what's happening here, Susie. This is not okay. And I can look at her and sit with my friend and say, you know what? This is really sucky. Mm -hmm. But can I tell you what God has done and who he is through this? Can I tell you what he's done through his people? And I realized that that calling on my life is not to stand on a stage with a microphone. That mm-hmm. call on my life is to listen for the voice of God daily and say yes over and over again. I know that. And there's mm-hmm. joy in that, Jill. There's joy in stepping into that and saying, okay, Lord, I'm intentionally walking into what I know today. Mm-hmm. And because I'm doing that, on the other side of that is joy that cannot be taken away from me due to my circumstances. Yes. And that is really, honestly, don't you think that that is tied to what the Bible says is our peace that passes understanding? Yeah. Because the result of having that kind of an internal joy. Yeah even in the midst of hard circumstances, also brings about a peace that passes all understanding. It makes no sense. Tangible. It's mm-hmm. tangible. You can feel it. You can. Um, and it's hard to explain, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean this is the deal. It doesn't mean over the last three years that there haven't been moments that God and I have wrestled because we have. Mm hmm. There have, there have been times that I've walked, especially walking through what we did with my son, which mm-hmm. came out of the blue, didn't see it coming. He was on all the outside. It looked like everything was beautiful and good. And all of a sudden, you know, his whole world has blown up. It affects him. It affects my children. It affects my grandchildren. It affects everything. Yes. And the enemy came in immediately and begin to say, well, what kind of mom are you that you miss this? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this is what I know. (laughs) I know that God loves my son even more than I do. So Mm -hmm. I stepped into a knowing. I also knew that there were things about this that I could fix, but most of them I couldn't. And the only things that I could fix was my own heart in -hmm. response to this. Yes. You know, and so that was one of the things I I begin to look at joy stealers in our life in the midst Mm -hmm. of whatever. And one joy stealer that comes up a lot when we're wrestling with joy is when we feel like it's our job to 24 seven, make sure that everybody we love never fails, falls or hurts. And Mm -hmm. that's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible. It's a joy stealer. Mm-hmm. So I began to intentionally walk into what I knew, which is that I had a job in this, but it was going to be on my knees. It was going to mm-hmm. be listening. It was going to be coming alongside my daughter-in-law. It was going to be loving my grandkids. But beyond that, it was going to be my son's job and God's job. Yes. And so knowing the joy stealers that crop up, as well as knowing how to intentionally walk into what brings us joy that cannot be taken from us became very, very key in living a life as what I call the joy keeper. You know, Jesus came to the disciples once when they were completely discouraged, Jill. Mm -hmm. And he said to them, I will give you 
my joy. He didn't say, I will give you joy. But I will give you my joy, and it cannot be taken from you. And so I begin to kind of refute, like I said, redefining all of this. I begin to look at, at when we say things to people like choose joy. Have mm-hmm. you ever had that said to you? Mm-hmm. You're in a pit. You're fighting for all your life. You got up that morning. You love Jesus. You're doing all you know how to do. And somebody says, well, if you'll just choose joy. Well, mm-hmm. to me, that's like looking at the three men in the fire and saying, if you'll just choose water, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. But can I choose the source of my joy? Yes. Mm. So again, redefining, where do I go? So what do I know? What do I know about any of this? I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know where to turn. I know what his word says. I know the promises he's made over my heart. Those are the things that I can know, that I can step into. And it's intentional because instinctively we go towards what we feel. Yes, we do. And and those feelings are part of what happens with that roller coaster that I talked about at the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. And And the feelings are God-given. Yes, they are. But... What, what what I have found is that we want to be decision-led, not emotion-led. Like yeah. we don't want to let our emotions lead us. We yeah. want to make some decisions to lead us. And what you're saying is that you're making the decision to look at the one who gives us the joy. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Not just look at him but sit with him, Mm. talk with him, walk with him. And this is not a holy thing. This is not anything you're striving to do on your own. And for me, I'll I'll tell another story is I remember getting the call from my husband that he was in the midst of a heart attack. Shocking. He he ran marathons. He was, or half marathons. He, He was in great shape. Didn't see this coming. We had walked the night before And when I finally got to the emergency room, I saw his car. Uh, It was parked skewed sideways in front of the emergency room. He had just literally stumbled out of the car. It was a freak snowstorm at that time, ice and snow. So as soon as I went in and saw him and I knew that they were getting him ready for surgery, they asked me if I'd go repark his car. And I remember going out and sleet and snow is hitting me. And I'm trying to get the car door open and it's frozen shut. And I, you guys are used to this more where you live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I finally got in the car and it just all hit me because I couldn't find a, an ice scraper. And for whatever reason, not finding the ice scraper was kind of the tip of the iceberg. Right. And I fell apart in the car and I just slammed, I slammed the, the steering wheel and I was crying. I was like, God, what is going on? Because I had found out three days earlier that I had cancer again. And so I, it was, I just hit the steering wheel and I said, what is going on? And that was a moment where there was a sacred space for me to let my feelings out in the safest place possible, which is in the presence of a God who knows me and loves me like crazy. Yes. And he's and not afraid of that. No. He wasn't afraid of your emotion. No, those afraid. feelings are indicators of where we need God the most. Absolutely. And so I just begin to share with him. I'm, I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on. They say I might lose my husband. <laughs> like what is going on? And 
I walked out of that car knowing that I had left those feelings in the safest place that I could leave them. So my knowing that day, my -hmm. source of knowing was to know that he was a shelter for those Mm -hmm. feelings. It was a sacred space for them. I don't have to push them down. Our friend Julie Barnhill used to say, talk about Mount Mama. I'm telling you, you push things down and push them down. They're going to come back up. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, I had the most beautiful place to say, God, right now I need you in the midst of this confusion. I need you in the midst of this grief that I feel this. I don't even know what to do. I can't and fear, find, I'm sure. Incredible yeah, fear. I can't even find an ice scraper. How am I going to handle this? <laughs> and, and he is always our first source to go to right where we're at. Don't push down your feelings. He created you to feel. He cares about how you feel. But he's also a shelter where we can bring those. He's a safe place. We don't have to hide anything from God. We don't have to pretend like we have it all going on. Yeah, We can go straight to him. And immediately there's a source because he knows who I am. He knows who he is. He loves Richard more than I could ever love him. He knows the plans he has for my life. Where else can I go but to him? Beautiful. And, you know, the word when you were describing that, the word that did come to my mind is safe. He is a safe place to land. And I think oftentimes when we don't feel that God's a safe place to land, we don't understand who he is. We're missing out on Mm -hmm. understanding the the character of God. And sometimes that's the journey we need to go on. You know, I, I know after my husband's crisis 10 years ago, when he made his U-turn and he surrendered to God and he stopped fighting with him, he knew that the one thing he needed to do was to stop operating with the God he thought he was and to start exploring the God who really was. Yeah. So there's this, another joy stealer, and that is a joy stealer is feeling like we have to earn the love of a God who already loves us like crazy, mm-hmm. especially when we've misstepped, stumbled, or lost our way. Mm-hmm. And I have seen how much my Heavenly Father loves my son over these past two years. We have been in the midst of messy miracles, <laughs> mm. you know, and are there any other kind? No, messy I don't miracles. Think that. <laughs> I think I've never thought about it that way, but I'm like, usually if a miracle happens, there is a form of messiness with it. It's so messy. And, uh, you know, see, this is the deal. I wanted to somehow restore my son. I wanted to restore his marriage. I wanted to restore my grandbabies. And like I said, there was a part that I played in that, very small, mostly on my knees, (laughs) out of sight. But every time that I felt like I wanted to go and like impart wisdom to my son Mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I wanted somehow to make things be okay, I sensed the Lord saying, don't get in my way. Yeah. Susie, don't Um. get in my way. I need you to be quiet. I need you to battle in the ways that I've called you to battle. But beyond that, mm -mm, 
you don't play a part here. He does, I do, but you don't. And so I intentionally walked into this truth. God is God and I am not. <laughs> and, and so as I intentionally walked in that truth, I found joy because, see, I wasn't trying to, you know, be in everybody else's lives or ranches or circles yes. and walking away frustrated and feeling like I had failed everything. Instead, I got to step back and watch God work in those messy miracles. And when I say messy, it's heavy on the messy, heavy, Mm -hmm. heavy on the messy. Mm -hmm. And there was a time that came where we began to see things just completely change in my son. My son is a, he's an extrovert. He used to come off the bus when he was a little kid. First thing he wanted to do was grab your attention and talk to you for the next two hours about every intimate detail of his life. That has not changed. (laughs) And so (laughs) watching my son over that next two years in the hard and in the good and in the messy, there came a point where we were sitting and talking. And like I said, this is two years after after everything had fallen apart. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Mom, man, your words were so wise over these last two years. And I thought, I didn't say a word. (laughs) God had me on mute. And that taught me so much, you know, because when we step into the assignments that God has for us Mm -hmm. and we release the assignments that were never ours in the first place, Uh. there's joy in that because we get to watch God do what only he could do. And And we want to tie like a nice red ribbon on this and say, okay, I did exactly what God said and it all was magical. No, it was messy and it was hard. And there were times that I didn't know if God was even hearing my prayers. Yeah. And sometimes we don't end up getting the outcome that we wanted or that we've desired or that we've prayed for. And we can miss how God has answered prayers, they may look different. I agree. I came to a point to where I saw the mercy of God in my son's life falling apart because God loved him enough to pull back all the hedges and say, Mm -hmm. buddy, you can't keep doing this and you don't get to hide it anymore because I love you and I have more for you, but this is not going to be fun. Being exposed, mm-hmm. coming into the light is not fun. It's not mm-hmm. fun for your family. And, and we didn't plan to go down this road, and I don't know why I am, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. But what I, what I saw was that by God taking a mama and putting me a step back and saying, let me do what only I can do, and Susie, this is not going to be fun. It's going to mm-hmm. be hard. Mm-hmm. But your son, instead of listening to you, is going to listen to me. And he and I are going to have an encounter that's going to change him. And he's going to discover who I am. <laughs> and then I love him like crazy right where he's at. But you got you got to take a step back. Yeah, because if not, you're in the middle of that and you can actually interrupt what God wants to do. 100%. 100%. So all of that going on, knowing, knowing the voice of God. Knowing that it was him saying, uh-uh, don't get in my way, <laughs> you know, take a step back, leaning into that and saying, God, I'm really sad. 
I'm sad that this is happening. This is bigger to me than cancer. This is so much bigger. I came out of a out of a dysfunctional family. My only prayer my whole life was that my family would be sweet and good and strong. And my son is struggling and I don't know how to help. And I just sense the Lord saying, nothing's changed, Susie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing's changed. I'm, you know, and and I and I got to trust him through that. And see, number one, it wasn't about me at all. Mm-mm. This was about my son who God loves. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's been this really amazing journey of stopping and taking a breath, no matter where I'm at, even in the good mm-hmm. and saying, how can I intentionally walk into the goodness of God's character today? How can I intentionally lean into who you are, Father, right where I'm at? And this is the deal, Jill, is I'm talking about all these hard seasons and somebody's listening out there and they're like, I'm not in a hard season. We can miss the joy in the easiest and most beautiful of seasons because we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. We can't even experience joy because we're waiting for something bad to happen. Yes. Something to fall apart. And I'm just telling you that the joy that Jesus promised, he said was ours. To keep period in every situation. It's not giddiness. It's not there's happiness is beautiful. It's not choosing joy. It's a joy that comes from a source that is so deeply rooted that it holds you wherever you are at. Yeah. So powerful. What a powerful picture. So let's let's just turn the corner to something to really the practical nature of this. So let's say somebody is in a dark season and it is a hard season. What are some practical ways that, that we can find joy in the midst of some of those hardest days? Yeah, I I think the first, and we've said it over and over again, is to, to not push down your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, to acknowledge that those feelings are indicators. And if somebody says to you, hey, those feelings are too big, or hey, you shouldn't be feeling that way, well, you do, (laughs) and they are big. And so lean into them in the shelter and the safety of God's love for you. Mm -hmm. Say it. I'm sad. I'm hurting. (laughs) I don't know what to do, or this is so hard, or I don't get it. And I want you to understand that that God's love for you does not go anywhere when you do that. He already sees it. It's intimacy. That's that's an intimate act. Yes. And then the second thing is to surrender to whatever it is that God wants to do, whatever miracle he wants to do in you or through you that day, right where you're at. Um, I had someone that say to me, she said, Susie, I'm not joyful by nature. So like, is this even for me? And again, I think redefining joy is really important. And so that's the second step is to redefine what joy means to you. Mm. Does joy mean giddy? Does joy mean that everybody who looks at you knows you're joyful? It's not. It is a pattern of pausing and walking into the goodness of God in that moment. Mm -hmm. What do you have for me here, God? 
Is there a lie that I'm hearing that you want to that you want to take out of this equation? And then the third thing I would say is to surround yourself with people who want God's best for you. You know, don't bring mm-hmm. it to social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a safe place. Mm-hmm. But I I had people around me in the last two years that they didn't try to fix it. They didn't try to make everything go away. They just showed up and they mm-hmm. were present. And so our source, our source is, is, is God. It just is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I wish I had a one, two, three uh, formula, but I don't necessarily have that except for acknowledge your feelings, you know? Yeah. Invite God into those. Mm-hmm. And too often, I think that, you know, we have that, we have a God-shaped hole inside of us and we try to fill it with other things. Yeah. And it's when we actually fill it with God, because that's how we're wired. Yeah. We're designed for relationship with the God of the universe. Yeah. And when we begin to know him better and lean into him. Yeah. That's when we begin to experience this joy. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and there's there's somebody listening right now that they're like, oh no, she's talking about doing Bible study. That's not what I'm talking about. That's that's not how I I love. I'm a I'm a Bible study teacher. I love that, but that's not where I found it. I found it in those moments of what is my source right now? Is my source fear, or is Jesus going to be my source? So in the middle of a car, crying out, hitting the steering wheel in an ice storm, I had a place to go. And I was Mm -hmm. welcome there. And that that filled that hole for that moment, you know? And so it's what I love most about Scripture is one of the verses is in Matthew 6, 8. And Jesus is teaching about prayer. And he basically says that when you don't have the words to say, he already knows what you need. And I'm paraphrasing there. That takes all the pressure off for me. If somebody mm-hmm. says to me, fill up that God-sized hole, I'm going to say to you, I might not have the words. You might not have the words. You might not even know what to say or do, but shut the door in that dark room while your kid's on the other side of it. And you're saying, God, I don't have a clue how to be a mom right now. I don't even have a clue what to say to you. Mm-hmm. I'm showing up. And this is the beauty. It takes all the pressure off because scripture tells us that he knows what we need before we even ask. And I can lean into that. I can lean into that and say, I don't know what to ask, but you know what I need. Yes. And maybe it's just for a moment for the Lord to say, hey, you're not alone. I'm here. Suze, I'm here. I gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think some of us even have trouble imagining God to talk to us that way. Yeah. But that is the nature of the relationship he wants to have. Yeah. And that's that Mm -hmm. tangible piece that you're talking about. I have a brother who has been going through some stuff over this last year. And one day I walked in and Jill, I could have cut the room with a knife. Like the Mm -hmm. peace that I felt in that room was so tangible. I had never felt that around my brother. And yet he had begun to reach out to the Lord right where he was, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to ask. 
And when I walked in, I was just like, whoa, something's different here. Mm. That's supernatural. And that's mm-hmm. peace. That's the peace that he promises us. Mm-hmm. Oh, so powerful. Redefining joy. I love it. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart and your story with us. Uh, Susie, where where can people uh, find you online? Where can they hang out with you in the online world? So I have a podcast more than, called More Than Small Talk, and you are welcome to show up there and listen. You can come find me at SuzanneEller.com. I'm on Instagram under Suzanne Eller. And so I would love to see you there as well. Well, we will make sure that we put um, links to all of those, as well as a link to your book, Joy Keeper, Six Truths That Change Everything That You Thought You Knew About Joy. And, uh, you know, Susie, I was just trying to think of the book that you wrote for Hearts at Home was The Mom I Want to Be. My gosh, that was one right. of my first. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mama so, want to be rising above your past to give your children a great future. Yeah, that was the book. I remember saying that that was a book that felt like I was writing with barbed wire. Like it was it was a hard, beautiful journey, but it's a book I will always treasure and love because out of it came out of all the miracles that God can and will do in a mama's heart when she wants to change the direction of what she was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, is that book still in print? It's, it's not, it's in, it's Kindle. You can get it on Kindle. Okay. Yeah. Good. Because I, I know over the years, uh, you know, I know that we received, emails and letters from women that read that and made such a difference, especially for those that did not have a good mother role model, or Mm -hmm. they had a difficult upbringing and they wanted something different for their children. I'm sure it's out there. You can also buy them used books out there. So Mm -hmm. if that is something that would be part of your story, I want you to also know about Susie's book. The mom I want to be. That's it. The the mom I want to be. Excellent. Well, Susie, would you be willing to pray for our listeners uh, as we bring this to a close? Yeah. Father, I'm just so thankful for your daughters. Um, Lord, I'm thankful that right now, right where she is, uh, you see her. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. do see her. And Lord, you're not put off or put away by her sadness or her tears or her struggle. Mm -hmm. Instead, you are an incredibly safe place for her to climb in and find the hope and the help and the strength that she longs for. I pray, Lord Jesus, that she would understand how deep, how wide, how vast is the love that you have for her today, right where she's at. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. 
See you next week, where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.